0: Well, good morning, church. Man, so glad that you guys are here this morning as we are every first day of the week to come together to celebrate our risen Savior together as the family of God in this place, to give him glory in all things. We know that we are abundantly blessed because how the Spirit lives in our life and we play out Jesus each and every day as we interact with God's creation. What a joy it is always to worship with you, to lift his name up in praise, to dig into the word of God, to gather around the Lord's table, and to know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. Uh, we want to say a special welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us, being a part of our assembly. And of course, our hope would be that you've already seen Jesus Christ in our midst. Uh, and that maybe if you're looking for a church home today, you might say, wow, I want Cross Point to be the place I bring my family. And so we want you to join us in telling that story of hope, uh, that is Jesus Christ. There are lots of ways to get involved uh, in ministry right here at Crosspoint. You can check the bulletin to see uh, the different, different uh, ministries that we do have. Uh, but I want to mention too something Cale's already mentioned, and that is next week is Missions Sunday. We've got a missions board right out in our commons, and I would encourage you, if you've never stopped and read through all of the different things that we are involved in in Crosspoint to share the story of Jesus Christ, you need to do that. It is a great opportunity for you to share the message that you uh, love and experience each and every. Every day of your life. You and I had the blessing of knowing Jesus, but there are people uh, worldwide who've never heard the name of Jesus. And next Sunday is a great opportunity for you to get involved in telling that story. Uh, once a year, we have what we call Missions Sunday. We offer a pledge card. It'll be on the uh, chairs next week. But it's a great opportunity to you, for you to give toward uh, supporting missionaries, supporting efforts to get the Bible uh, out into the world and to do different things uh, where you can help share that message of Christ. Maybe, maybe it's uh, the idea that you want to help uh, deaf orphans in Kenya, Africa that orphanage that we support uh, you want to help them know Jesus Christ better and that they are loved. Maybe it's uh, the, the church in the town of Campamento, Honduras, where we want to pour into that congregation, help with the kids uh, there that are, are, are living and part of that school, but help that church tell the message of Christ in different ways. Maybe it's being involved uh, in uh, next summer, two hours south of here at Mission of the Hills, to help at-risk kids Kids better understand and know who Jesus is and how He can change their life. Maybe it's giving money to help put Bibles in schools in Eastern Europe. There are lots of other ways that you can get involved, and next Sunday will be your opportunity and my opportunity to give toward those efforts to help make all of that come to f- through fruition through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that you'll be this week in prayer with your family to think about how do we want to get involved in this storytelling? Is it uh, the giving on Sunday? Is it a uh, a giving that's kind of segmented throughout the course of the year? Maybe it's next summer. We as a family are going to make a decision to go to Honduras or go to Kenya uh, or help out in a local mission uh, effort. There are lots of ways you can get involved, but be in prayer this week how your family is going to get involved in telling the story of Jesus in lots of different ways. Well, we started a brand new series today called Who is Jesus? And we want to dig in and unpack that question over this month uh, as we kind of unpack some of the ministry that Jesus did where he uses metaphors to recognize who he is. And today it is I am the vine. You are the branches. And so if indeed Jesus is the vine, what does that mean for me? I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me to John chapter 15. We'll be there in just a few moments. Those first 17 verses of John, uh, Jesus really unpacks the idea of the vine and the branches. What does that mean for us in our life? What are we called to do? How are we called to trust Jesus and be connected to him? But I also want to remind us that that discourse happens right in the middle of a larger discourse, chapters 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus is talking to his disciples some 2,000 years ago, yet his words are relevant for us today as followers today, that we can dig into what he's called the vine and how we can connect to him and be everything that he's called us to be. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says that you are going to have trouble in this world. We know that Jesus knew trouble was coming. Matter of fact, this very night, after he talks to his disciples, he's going to be arrested, he is going to be tried, and eventually he will end up crucified. He knows trouble is coming, not only for him, but also for his disciples, because they will at least seem to be leaderless in the moment. And he knows that trouble comes for you and for me as well. I mean, how many of us in here uh, have struggled with a, a difficult disease, maybe cancer, or we know someone who is affected that way? Maybe some of us in here have been jobless. Maybe we haven't had enough money at the end of the month to pay all the bills. Maybe we turn on the news every night and we have seen terrorism worldwide. That We've seen refugees and by the millions leaving their home in order to escape What's going on in their homeland? You and I have turned on the news and we've seen uh, race riots right here locally. We've seen shootings that never should have happened. We continue to see over and over the trouble that comes our way. And Jesus told us whether you're with me and connected, whether you're on your own, life is going to bring trouble your way. Let me tell you how to overcome that trouble in the world and stay connected. To me. Jesus knew trouble was coming and he said, as followers of Christ, there's a way that I'm calling you to respond, not react, but to respond. And he says, this is your commitment and the commitment I make to you. You're not alone, so don't be afraid. Jesus reminds each and every one of us in our walk that he is always with us. No matter what's going on in life, He is constantly there for us. But so many times, we as human beings, we operate out of fear, don't we? We react instead of respond. If somebody hits me with a big stick, I'm going to get a bigger stick and hit them back. If somebody says something mean-spirited to me, I'm going to be mean-spirited even more so back we end up reacting, not responding. And Jesus has kind of spelled out how we are to respond to the world around us, that we're to look different than the world around us. But in that process, he reminds us that we'll never be alone. Take a look at chapter 14 in John, beginning in verse 18. He says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. But when the Father sends the Advocate As my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. Now, church, if you've got your own Bible, this is a scripture you want to circle, you want to draw attention to for your own life. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, and that gift is peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Some of us try to plug in to different things that we think are going to quell our fears in the world. And Jesus reminds us those are short-term, limited, maybe non-existent, but understand that I'll never leave you. And what I'm going to give you is a peace that no one else can possibly give you. He reminds us that he's going to send the Holy Spirit within our own lives to remind us, hey, the battle is not against one another, but it's against unseen forces that are trying to, to pull us apart from our relationship, not only with God, but with one another in our life. And we've got to remember that we are battling unseen forces. Therefore, I want a power greater than that who is unseen on, in my camp, in my life as well. Jesus says, I'll give you a peace but it looks different than the world, what the world wants to give you. You see, the world says uh, that, that your peace is based upon the calm around you. If everything is going great, if everything's fine, you too can be fine. But if one thing messes up, if, if you have some trouble along the way, if there's some turmoil, some chaos, then you reply in like kind. And Jesus says, in this world you're going to have trouble, but you yourself don't need to be troubled. Because you are connected to me. When we let fear rule the day, you see our minds play out the worst case scenarios, don't they? We begin to think about sickness and kids and how they're growing up and maybe the job and the economy, any number of things on the list. And our mind creates a worst case scenario, which, by the way, most of the time never comes to fruition. But that's where our anxiety lives. That's where our fear lives. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm not going to leave you alone. You're connected to me, I'm going to be connected to you. And Jesus is telling his disciples there's going to be trouble coming. You see, Jesus and his disciples uh, have just finished a meal, a Passover meal, in the upper room in Jerusalem. This is the night that he'll be betrayed. They leave that upper room, they walk through the city streets, it's very dark outside. They exit the gate of the city and they're moving toward an olive grove where they will pray and discern God's will in their life, talk more about what God wants them to do. But Judas, a disciple, has made a decision to betray Jesus. And so there's a mob on the way to the olive grove. They're going to arrest Jesus. And this mob shows up with with swords, with clubs, with torches. It is so dark outside that Judas tells the mob, the leaders, he says, listen, the one I kiss, that's the one that you need to arrest. That's Jesus of Nazareth. And so certainly he shows up. Trouble shows up and they lay hands on Jesus after he's kissed. They begin to bind him. Peter sees what's going on, and he draws his sword. Now understand, Peter is a fisherman. Where he gets a sword, I have no idea, but he's got one. Sock, I don't know where he's keeping it. He pulls a sword, and the text tells us that he cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. Now, I I don't know. This could go a couple of different ways. I don't know if that speaks to how terrible a shot that Peter really was, he only got the ear, or how big the guy's ears were. I don't know. It could have gone either way. Who knows? But trouble is present. And in the chaos, in the flicker of the flame, Peter is looking at Jesus, and Jesus says to him, you're reacting. We want to respond. We're different than the world around us. It's chaotic right now. Trouble is here but we do things differently because that's how God has designed us as his followers. You see, Jesus and the disciples leave that upper room and they walk through the city streets and they walk out that gate of Jerusalem and on the way to the olive grove, they walk right past a vineyard. Large grapevines that are growing, they have been there for generations. And Jesus never misses an opportunity to tell a story. He never misses an opportunity to use a metaphor. And he says in John chapter 15, in verse 1, he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. You see, he knows that the disciples and we too today believe there are other things that we can connect to, things that we can plug into that are going to save our day, things that are going to quell the fear, things that are going to make things go away. And Jesus reminds the disciples and us today, he says, no, I'm the true grapevine. I'm the, the real thing that will make sure that your fears are subsided. You stay connected to me, I'll stay connected to you. You remain in me, I'll remain in you. That's what he calls us to do. And I think of vines at times, and I think of Southeast Asia and jungles, but I want you to think for a moment. We've all seen pictures of grape vines, and a, a grape vine might be a, about a waist-high trunk, and out of that comes these branches, and off those branches hang that fruit. Jesus says, you stay connected to me on the vine. You're the branch, I'm the vine. I'm going to give you the nutrients you need. I'm going to give you the safety you need. I'm going to give you everything that you need in life to be everything God's created you to be. And in verse 4, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. Jesus reminds us, he says, I want you to stay connected to me. It's in me that you're going to be able to do everything that you want to do in life. The things that you've been created to do. The fruit you've been able and prepared to bear will only happen if you're connected to me. You stay connected to me, I will stay connected to you, and you will be blessed. Because apart from me, you can't do anything. You you think you can do some things along the way, but the truth is you can't do anything without me. His Spirit is what blesses us and contains us and moves us in a right direction. You see, no matter what happens, stay connected to Jesus. That's what He's telling us to do in his story. Without him, we are nothing and can do nothing. Some 11 times in 11 different verses, Jesus says, remain in me. That word remain can also be translated, abide in me or live in me. Jesus calls us as his followers, live in me become me. Stay connected to me. But there are moments in life when trouble comes and the fruit is revealed or not revealed in someone's life. And you may think or, or have thought that they looked a certain way, that they were a certain type of person. But when trouble comes, it is revealed what type they really are. And sometimes trouble comes and unexpected fruit happens or no fruit at all. When we lived in Sealwater, uh, one Christmas, I was a terrific dad, and I bought the boys a chocolate lab. <laughs> and we named him Stonewall Jackson. Isn't that a great name, Stonewall Jackson? First service thought it was a lot better. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, we brought him home for Christmas, and or I brought him home. And uh, we we began to raise that dog. Eventually, we kept him about two years. We just were not home enough to socialize uh, Stonewall, and so we eventually sold him to another family who lived on a farm, and I'm sure he had a great and productive life, had a great time. But I remember about a year into, uh, we had him there. He was about a year old. We built a, a deck onto the house, and around the deck, we planted lots of shrubs and a couple of trees. One of those trees was right outside the window. It's called a Chinese pistache. I planted that tree, and uh, one day I come home from, or one morning I get up from work, Stonewall's been in the backyard, I get my coffee, I'm looking out the back, and I notice that there is no tree. There's a stump coming out of the ground, and I look in the distance, and Stonewall has the entire tree in his mouth prancing. (laughs) He's done a good job. Something invaded my backyard, I got rid of it, Dad. I got it covered. So I went out in the backyard. I pulled him over. We had a discussion about the tree, not the test of tree. This is supposed to be here. The next morning, I get up. Oh Well, first, that day, I went back and bought another tree, planted the tree, got it at Home Depot, small tree. The next morning, I get up with my cup of coffee. I look out. There's no tree. I go outside. Sure enough, it's over in the corner of the yard. There is a stump in, in the ground. That's all that's left. Stonewall's very proud. He's done his job. He believes. We have another discussion. I go get another tree, the third one. This time I buy chicken wire. I buy some things to kind of protect the tree. Now, all of these trees, if you've ever bought a small tree from, say, Home Depot or Lowe's, you know they come with a a huge uh, piece of wood like a bamboo stick or something to keep it growing straight. All of these had that. And so I plant the tree. I put the chicken wire around the trunk of the tree. Uh, Stonewall's in the backyard. And the next morning I get up and the tree is there. Ah, finally got it together. He understands I did the right things to keep him away from the tree. I'm drinking my coffee. Everything's good. The next morning I get up, get my coffee, look out the back. The tree looks a little little wilty, but, you know, it is Oklahoma. It's hot. Uh, We just transplanted it. It's just trying to catch up on the water consumption. Everything's good. The next morning I get up, and the tree is not looking very good. Leaves on the ground. It's very wilty at the top. I go out to check what's going on. I look at the tree, and lo and behold... Stonewall chewed the thing in half and left the stick so it looked like it was still in place. (laughs) Now, there are moments in our life when we look productive and we're not very productive. It looks like we're bearing the fruit that God's placed in our life. Our leaves are green, but we're really plugged into something else or something not at all. And so Jesus says in his story, he said, look, you've got to stay connected to me if, if I want to stay connected to you, and it's only in those moments that you are going to have life and life to the full. It's only in those moments when you allow my spirit to, to guide you in life that everything will be as it should be. Storms are going to come and reveal who we really are, and Paul reminds us that the fruit in our life that should exist So the world looks at us and knows that we're truly connected to the vine, truly connected to Jesus, is joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the, the fruits that we should be bearing in our life that the world looks at and realizes we're not just going through life. We're truly plugged in to the vine. I mean, the way that we individually act as believers and as a church group as crosspoint to the world around us when trouble comes should be marked by fruit of the Spirit. Our interaction with the world around us should look like this, that there are moments when sometimes we fake it, sometimes we say that we're plugged in and we're really not plugged in. There are moments when trouble comes in life and the reality is revealed. There was a family at a church I, I worked at, unfortunately, the, the girls were in the, it wasn't unfortunate, the girls were in the youth group, but it was unfortunate as young girls that they lost their father. He passed away. And so we were working with the family, consoling them, journeying with them in this very difficult moment. And it was about two or three weeks, and, and mom had not heard anything from the insurance company, We know that he had had uh, about half a million dollar life insurance policy and she was looking forward to uh, having some stability and knowing that the girls were taken care of. So she calls to ask what's going on, only to realize that before they had married, he had taken out this insurance policy and made mom the sole beneficiary, not his wife. He hadn't fixed it after they were married. Realizing it was a simple mistake. She went to talk to her mother-in-law about the situation. And she said, no, you left this money for me. Oh, I'll I'll make sure along the way that that the kids are taken care of, but but this is mine. See, it's in moments where there are trouble in life that sometimes the curtain is pulled back and it's revealed whether we're truly plugged into the vine or not. See, when we try to produce fruit without that connection, it ends up being counterproductive as the world looks at our own life. See, forced joy is truly frustrating, A forced patience is, is irritating, it's difficult. If you're not connected to the vine. And I find it interesting that we live in a world that wants to stay connected all the time with social media, right? We want to know what's going on in real time all the way around the world. A study revealed that 80% of those that have smartphones, the very first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is look at their phone. They look at newsfeed, they look at Facebook, and want to see how many people commented or liked the pictures they posted before they went to bed. I mean, what would our life look like if we took as much time connecting to the vine as we did social media? How would your world be rocked if you made a decision to give as much time to connecting to the vine as we did the other secular things in life? What would happen if we were to say, I'm going to take a two or three day sabbatical from social media, And I'm going to use that time that I normally would be involved in that and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to get into the word of God. I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. I'm going to discover new facets of my life in Christ that maybe I had not discovered yet. Because what we realize along the way is when we're plugged into the vine is we're called to love. We're called to look like Jesus and not be so self-maybe absorbed. Jesus says in chapter 14 of John, chapter 15 rather, in verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus is just about to lay down his life for all of us. He shows us what true love truly is about. In chapter 13 of John, we find him on his knees washing the disciples' feet And he reminds them and us today, this is how the world will know that you love me, by the way that you love one another, by the way you interact compassionately with one another. All of the gospel story, if you look how Jesus interacts with his creation, there is one key word that pops to the surface every single time, and it's the word compassion. I mean, what is compassion? It is a a deep awareness of and sympathy for another person's suffering. And over and over and over again in the story of Jesus in his ministry, you find that Jesus is compassionate. One of those stories is in Luke chapter 7. There's a widow who has lost her only son to death. Jesus is watching the procession unfold in front of him. And the text literally says that his heart went out to her, that he had compassion for her. And we find out in the story that he raises that son from the dead. And sometimes that compassion can be a challenge for us. I mean, we have a tendency to to get numb if your story doesn't connect with mine somehow, if it doesn't directly affect my own story. And people end up becoming a a hashtag or a post on social media or a story to follow. Maybe for you and me, it's, it's a call really to take a test. To see if they were truly listening to the prayers of those that are around us because it will reveal their hearts and their burdens and what they're dealing with in life. And are you praying for those folks who you know are involved in other events where they are bearing a burden? Are we seeing that person as a creation of God whom Jesus Christ died for? Or are they simply a hashtag? Maybe a simple question would be asked, what would it be like to be you? What if I walked a mile in your shoes? What would that look like? And we may not have a clue. I mean, I know in my own life, I will never know what it's like to be an African-American male. I will not know but that doesn't mean I cannot be compassionate and sympathetic and empathetic. Doesn't that mean I cannot put my arm around someone with a different skin color and say, I'm rooting for you. I love you. I'm with you. I don't know what it's like to no longer have my spouse, but I can be compassionate in the moment for someone who, who has I may not know what it's like not to have a job. But I can come alongside someone else that's lost theirs and encourage them along their way. I may not know what it's like to be a part of a different religion that doesn't believe Jesus Christ is indeed the son of God. But it doesn't mean I have to be hateful. It means I lean in with love, put an arm around and say I have compassion for you. I love you. You're a creation of God. I mean, we're called, Paul calls us in Galatians chapter 6, we're called to bear one another's burdens. That's what compassion does. That's what love looks like. Now, you end up having to, to bear that burden. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, your weight is my weight. We are family together. We are connected together to the vine. And because of that, great things will happen for you and I because you're journeying with me. This is the commitment that you and I have as followers of Christ. When we look and say, Yes, Jesus has done enough for me, God is enough, and because I'm plugged into the vine, I'm going to be everything I can be to you as well. In this world, you are going to have trouble, but in this church, you are not alone. We journey together we journey with one another. Because see, church, I, I think too many times that you and I get hung up on this world. We get attached too many different ways on this world. And what I have to remember is that my hope is in heaven. That my hope is to see Jesus Christ. That my hope is to sit at the feet of God and sing his praises forevermore. That I want to be a part of what God is doing to make everything new once again. You see, Jesus told me that he's going to prepare a place for me, and I believe every word of that. He says in John chapter 14, verse 1, beginning, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready... I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Church, don't you want to be there? Don't you want to be a part of what God's preparing for you? Don't you want to dig in and realize that right now this is temporary, this is short-lived, but I'm going to lean into the vine because I want to be connected to what he's got prepared for me. I know he's going to provide exit points on trouble that comes my way. I mean, Jesus said in John chapter 16... He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But what did he go on to say? He said, but take heart because I've overcome the world. This world ain't got nothing on me. This world is going to go to the wayside. I'm here for you. Stay connected to me. Remain in me. I want to remain in you. Don't, Don't take the falsehood the world has to offer you, but they can provide peace of mind, peace of heart, what Jesus says only I can provide. That's the challenge this morning, church. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. And he has conquered death. And he is everything that you ever wanted in your life. I promise. So this morning, the question is for you, are you ready to take hold of the blessing that God has for you and his son, Jesus Christ? Do you want to take part in that story? Because I know that he's longing for you to be connected to him. He wants to be so much a part of your life that he actually died for you. He went all the way to the cross to say that's how much I love you and I'm waiting on you to tell me how much you love me. Are you ready to take that leap, church? Do you want to lean into the story of God? Do you want to take all the blessing that God has for you in your life through his son, Jesus Christ? My guess would be yes because I'm tired of this troubled world and I want to have all the peace that God can provide for me through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm gonna invite the praise team back to the stage at this time uh, and our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. As we sing this song, my guess is in a crowd this size, we've got some folks who are dealing with trouble in your life right now. And I wanna encourage you as we sing, go seek out one of those couples, let them pray with you, for you, let them lay hands on you, let them remind you that you are indeed a child of God and you are not walking alone in this moment. Let's stand and give him praise and glory.